Radnath Swami. And, and Radnath mm. Swami makes this point that, you know, we, we, we can clean the rivers, we can clean the, the air, and we can clean the land. Um, but until we clean the ecology of our own hearts, there won't be there won't be any transformation of course both need to happen hand in hand i'm not i'm not saying it's all you know we all just wait to you know work on ourselves and and the world will just get better uh, one by one i think we do have to be spiritual activists Hello everyone, welcome to the Experience podcast. My name is Tejaswa or Tex and together you and I are going to have amazing conversations with amazing people and learn so much through our experiences. This is a listener-supported podcast, so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. Before we begin, I just wanted to thank everyone who has been supporting this podcast and my music journey. If you didn't know, I have just released a music album called Ikigai Part 1 Perception, and this was recently played on the BBC radio as well. You can head over to bit.ly slash techsikigai or follow the link in the description to find out more. In today's episode, I can't wait to welcome Nanda Gopaprabhu. We're going to be talking about what it means to flourish from within and how that can be used to impact our lives. But first... Let's take a deep breath and close our eyes and reflect on the word lotus. Maybe it's a feeling, a memory, a person, an environment, or whatever else may come to mind. Keep this thought in mind, maybe write it down on a piece of paper, because we will come back to it later in the episode. If you're comfortable, we'd love to know what you thought of, so please do share with us in the comments below, or feel free to message us. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Experience Podcast, everybody. In today's episode, we have a very, very special guest, Chirag Kelani. Some of you may already know him by the name of Nanda Gopaprabhu. Now, Nanda Gopaprabhu is somebody I really look up to. I especially admire the way that he has his way of getting something across really directly and honestly, but he does it in a really comforting way. Now, for those of you who don't know Nanda Gopaprabhu, he was a monk who went on to become a lawyer at some top firms in London before becoming the Lotus Coach. He now helps high achievers, entrepreneurs, and top-level business executives to flourish. But here's the catch. Not only from the outside, he also helps them flourish from within. Prabhu, it is an honor to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Tejasva. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. When you told me about the podcast, I was, uh, yeah, very excited to have the opportunity to uh, be part of it. I'm sure you're going to be doing some amazing work and have some really good speakers coming through. I know you already had Sutapa uh, lined up. So, uh, yes, happy to follow in his footsteps always. So, Prabhu, how are you and uh, what have you been up to these days? I'm good. I'm good. I've been, I've been busy. Um, just kind of getting back into the the face-to-face world of training, which is really nice after 18 months of lockdown. So we've been doing a lot mm. of virtual training during that period, but you can't replicate the energy in a room. 
So it's been really nice traveling in and, and meeting people face to face and trying to convey some, yeah, some, some wisdom to help them in their professional lives. Wow. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about what goes on in your professional world. Yeah. So like you said in the introduction, my background is in law. After I quit law, I decided to, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, I decided to focus on on coaching and training because I felt that was much more aligned with my purpose and my dharma, my calling in life. So I got myself a, a, a diploma in coaching, an ICF accreditation, and then was doing one-to-one coaching. That's where the Lotus Coach idea came from. Mm-hmm. And then I've from then moved on and I've built my own corporate coaching and training business, Lotus Leadership. So I work with law firms, with banks, with consultancies all around the world, really. Um, it can be from graduates to managers to senior leaders. But yeah, diff- different leadership topics, essentially helping them to become better leaders, mm-hmm. which hopefully means that they can create a transformation within their organizations. Wow, amazing. So Prabhu, when I, is it okay if I call you Prabhu in this podcast? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, great. So Prabhu, when I read your tagline, Flourish From Within, it made a lot of sense to me, you know, especially because in the spirituality that we follow, we're always trying to find the deeper meaning behind everything that we do, you know, not just the big changes that happen in our lives and not, not only the big decisions that we make in our lives, but also the small things that we do, you know, or seemingly what seem like small things that we do. So our actions, our words, our thoughts. So tell us a little bit about your tagline, Flourishing From Within, and how that ties in with the lotus, which is the symbol of, of your business. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Flourish From Within, as, as the tagline suggests, it's all about looking within. So we know happiness is an inside job. We know that if mm-hmm. we can master our mind, we can master our life. And that was really the essence of what I was trying to get at. So many people, when they look for coaching, look for external performance. And the key point I wanted Mm. to make was, if you can get it right here, then the performance will naturally flow. Uh, So whilst I'm helping people in in a material sense uh, with their their work, with with their lives, the idea is, yes, if you can flourish from within, like the lotus, and that's why, why flourish. The lotus, I don't know if you know much about lotuses, but uh, lotuses ha- have, have, a, have kind of, you know, they are a symbol for, for eternity. They're a symbol for transformation. It has a real resonance within the Vedic culture also. Of course, um, you know, a, a lotus uh, springs from um, uh, Vishnu's navel and from there, you mm. know, the creator, the engineer of the world, Lord Brahma, is born. Uh, so the lotus is is very special for me, very uh, significant in my own life because it reminds me of the Lord. But also mm. from a kind of corporate perspective, people understand that if you want change, you need real transformation. And the lotus grows in very muddy water, actually. I don't know if you know that. But uh, mm. it's surrounded by mucky, muddy water. And nonetheless, it, it rises up and it flourishes every day. And every lotus is different you know, different vibrant colors that come out. There's also another kind of deep connection that I quite liked. And this comes from the Bhagavad Gita. And the idea is that uh, you have to work in this world without being affected by what you're doing. So the lotus example is actually, the lotus leaf example is given by Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. The idea is that nothing sticks. So so when it rains, the, the lotus has this waxy surface, which means the water will just fly off. So I really thought that's what I wanted to be known for as the Lotus coach, uh, someone who can help people navigate this world, be successful both spiritually and materially. That is so beautiful. And making all these connections 
from our Vedic, you know, texts like the Bhagavad Gita. And I really, I really like it. Um, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, actually, the lotus, the lotus mindset mm. as well, you know, of um, us being in this world, but not of this world. And, um, you know, no matter how many impurities try and come our way, we, we try and grow from them, you know, as, as you talked about the lotus growing from mud. Um, I don't know if you've come across the word um, anti-fragile. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. 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 I think it's such a cool concept. And yeah. it, when this word was introduced to me a couple of years ago, my, one of my friends introduced it to me. It really changed my perspective on how I look at our so-called failures Mm -hmm. and downfalls that happen in life so i think it's a really really amazing mindset to have and i think the lotus is the lotus is a perfect image to put into someone's head when we think of that thank you so much for sharing that so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one because when people when i first did it it caught the attention within the corporate world but mm. they thought it was quite weak and some people say well the lotus how does that how does that work with you know performance and the hard edge stuff that we're interested in mm. and that's that's exactly the point that actually it is about being anti-fragile it is about building deep resilience and understanding that everything that is coming our way is coming our way for a reason we're meant to learn from it in order to progress on our journey both materially and spiritually Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I feel like a lot of us, what we end up doing is, you know, we look at people around us and we say, okay, XYZ is doing this, ABC is doing this. And we sort of form this idea in our head that we're meant to be doing something similar, mm. you know? And I've seen, um, you know, fortunately, I've seen a lot of people who go down this path and I find it a little bit dangerous sometimes that people succeed with this mindset. Mm. Um, and the reason why I say that is because if we're doing it purely out of the fear of being left behind or out of a fear of not fitting into society, we're going to continue living that way for a really long time. You know, and I've seen people who have so-called material successes and don't really feel fulfilled or satisfied in their life, you know? And this is something that I guess not only them, but even someone like me experiences because we achieve one thing and then we're like, okay, something's still missing, so we need something more. Then we go on to the next one. So that, that was either me coming to the UK, then going to Imperial. And I'm like, hmm, something's still missing. I'm not sure what's going on. Mm -hmm. So probably tell us a little bit about why is it so important that we not only look at our outside achievements? Why is it important to go in and realign or reconfigure our life um, to try and follow our dreams again? Yeah, I mean, you, were, you already answered it. You said so-called success. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the problem. I think people... I think Covey gives the example of, you know, climbing climbing a ladder up a wall... Uh, and it's a wall that you don't necessarily want to climb over. So, you know, you spend your whole time climbing, 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 and you get there. And of course, you get to the top and you don't feel fulfilled because mm. it isn't meant to be the direction you're meant to be traveling in. So it's something I, I definitely resonate with because I spent mm. 10 years in the city as a lawyer. You could say it's successful from a material perspective, but even actually from a material perspective, how can you say it's successful if you're not feeling fulfilled? Um, so yes, yeah, successful in the term in terms of uh, status, successful in terms of money, mm -hmm. um, but actually, the Gita teaches that we all have a dharma, we all have a nature, and we shouldn't waste our time living someone else's life because 
we are all born with a specific dharma and the education system that we're brought up with doesn't really allow people to explore that properly and you're kind of shoehorned into a particular career mm. and for most people it's too late and then they end up settling and they just spend their life think i'm not happy but it's a means to an end and that certainly could have been me i did it for a long time and i, I never really felt satisfied with what i was doing uh, but i just thought well you know who am i to complain uh, this is great and there's many many people that are queuing up um and, you know and would literally um you know break an arm and a leg in order to to have be in the position that i am now but yeah i think it's i think it's essential for people to live their dharma and of course that begins with self awareness and mm-hmm. self awareness requires a certain level of introspection uh, and most people don't have time to stop so they're on the treadmill running so fast that they don't mm-hmm. actually stop and reflect on what it is they need to achieve in order to be uh, in order to flourish from within ultimately wow so it, it's interesting because you said a lot of people don't have time mm-hmm. to 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 look inside and you know the conversation that i had with sutta prabhu last week was to do with even if we do have the time we're so scared yeah you know and it's it's really interesting and it it makes me wonder sometimes do we on purpose and i'm sure this is the case subconsciously do we on purpose bombard our brains day and night you know from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep mm. with so much um so that we're always occupied yeah, yeah. you know because we're running away in the other direction from our so-called demons and you know we t- we talked a little bit about our inner demons and how one's model of the world breaks down at least it did for me and a lot of people i know personally when we started looking inside and asking the deeper questions often what happened was friends would say do just go back and study you know you need to get a first mm. graduate you know um it was either that or somebody was like yeah this is life you know um i'm grateful that uh, i didn't stop and i kept like things just kept happening in my life that made me question things again and again and again you know it's it's a beautiful way of a, it's a divine intervention I, i'd say like until and unless you don't learn the lesson you're going to continue doing it you know but the world the model of the our the world breaks down in our head and it's so scary mm but i feel like on a daily basis we may not realize the small things that we're doing affect us negatively um but you know it manifests in the long run in really dangerous ways yeah what, what are what what are your views on that tell us a little bit about it. yeah it can do i think you know being being alone with just your thoughts can be a scary place for a lot of people it's why people struggle with different forms of meditation and almost mm. want to drown their consciousness and thoughts with external stimuli so whether that's some form of intoxication or it's just you know putting on the tv or in in modern day context probably a tiktok of some sort uh, to literally just you know it's a form of escapism mm. because yeah when you have to actually deal with what the thoughts are uh, that can be difficult if you're not very good at controlling your mind and also desires and and being very honest with yourself about what's going on so thinking about my career i probably knew very early on i may even say that i probably knew during my law degree that law wasn't really for me 
and you know, I do remember having that that thought in the back of my mind: Do I really want to continue with this? Do I want to get a training contract? Because this is a law degree; I don't have to go and get a training contract. I don't have to go on and work in a city firm. But until you really knew what else you were going to do, you just kind of stay on that track. And the reason that you despite having those feelings of something isn't right and I need to change something and shift something up mm-hmm. because of fear, ultimately fear of failure or fear of the unknown, you end up just doing what you've always done. And so you do need a certain level of courage. And I think that's where Christian consciousness mm-hmm. really helped me because I understood that actually it isn't just all about me. This isn't all on my shoulders. Actually, there's someone that's got my back and someone who's much bigger, stronger, smarter than me, uh, i.e. God. And mm. for me, that was a real, you know, I think once I took to spirituality and I started to understand how the philosophy interweaves into my my daily actions and daily thoughts, then it gave me the courage to say, okay, well, I need to do this because Krishna does say very clearly that we have a Sanatan Dharma, an eternal Dharma, mm. And we also have a svadharma. We also have a uh, something, a, a material duty in this world. And it doesn't necessarily mean being a lawyer, a trader, uh, a doctor, or anything else that might make other people happy. But mm. it's the thing that you are good at, the thing that you can contribute to the world with, uh, and the thing that you enjoy. And so that takes that takes a bit of uh, work. And many people are now trying to find their purpose. Of course, it's a big, big thing in the world at the moment. But yeah, it starts with getting really comfortable with being in your own space. And and that is difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people can't go to sleep unless the television is on, for example. Oh wow! And and just because you know, it's it's like a numbing sensation that is that is useful for them, uh, as opposed to. Yeah, just close your eyes and and then deal with what's going on inside. I'll just share something that's popped up in my head. Mm, Please. Um, In some ways, this is like, you know, looking at what could have been a really small problem in the past, but because we consistently neglected it, it's manifested in some really dangerous ways. And Mm -hmm. this actually reminds me, when I was really young, from up until the age of 15, I was constantly sick. Mm. Something or the other, some disorder, some disease, hospitalized, surgery, whatever. Um, And I remember in one of these incidents, what had happened was I got a really, really high fever. Um, And I had to be taken to the emergency. And um, they fed me a few antibiotics and they had to hospitalize me for two days. And after two days, I was like, okay, what now? They said, oh, you're free to go. We fixed it. Mm. I said, okay, but what was it? They said, I don't know, but we fixed it, <laughs> you know? And I, I said, are you sure? Like, is there something I should not be having? Like, can I have food, certain foods? Can I not have certain foods? What's going on? They said, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm. Three days later, I developed this disorder called HSP. Yeah. Which is, um, for those of you who don't know what HSP is, it's, um, it's a disorder that happens in younger kids and your entire lower portion of the body is filled with red um, sort of pimples full of pus and it's mm-hmm. really disgusting, really itchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this story always reminds me of, you know, something happens to us, we get a headache. We want to fix the headache as soon as possible so we can continue living with our lives. But as soon as that headache is fixed, we never think about what caused the headache in the first place. Mm. 
you know, so we keep on removing the symptoms, but the root problem was never solved. And because mm -hmm. the root problem was never solved, it is now going to manifest in even worse ways. Yes. And uh, yesterday I was listening to this podcast by Jay Shetty and uh, Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. And um, Mel Robbins was talking about sometimes we neglect ourselves so much and we feed ourselves so much negativity that even looking at ourselves in front of a mirror gives you anxiety. Yeah. It crumbles your stomach. It makes you go crazy. And yeah. she talked about how small things can have such a massive impact on our brains. Yeah. And she talked about the, um, she talked about giving yourself a high five in the morning, which I found really, really nice. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us will feel a little silly doing that. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, Kalki, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good friend of mine. Um, yeah. So last, great friend of yours, yes. Um, last year for Imperial Ketsi Sok, he gave us a meditation talk. And um, he, he said that, you know, if you're really feeling sad, just give a fake smile, even if it's fake. And then he did it in front of the camera. And he's like, I know I look a little bit silly, but it's forcing me to feel happy. And this mm -hmm. is what yoga will do to you as well. So mm -hmm. I found it really interesting how... Um, waking up with the with a mindset that okay i'm gonna look at myself in the mirror and give myself a high five because your brain's already programmed that every time you give somebody a high five you automatically get a dopamine um, yes rush yeah which i think is so amazing i just thought i'd share that because anybody who's feeling scared to have a conversation with themselves and i know it can be really scary especially when you're going through a tough time there is a lot of um, help out there. There's a lot of ways that you can, you know, try and overcome this. Um, and, I, and I just want you to know that you're not alone. Yeah, no, I just yeah, thought I'd share that. No, no, it's a really useful share. And I think self-love, of course, is, you know, the topic of the day. And, and many people speak mm. about self-love. Whenever I reflect on that term, I always think, I think the challenge is that people don't know what the self is or who the self is. And therefore, they don't really know what to love. Uh, and you are right, material civilization very much has a symptomatic approach to any problems. So the, ex so the example that I would give is in material civilization, there, if you go to the doctor and you've got a boil, the doctor will generally say, just put some ointment on that boil. Whereas the Vedic solution would be purify the blood in order to stop you having boils in the first place. And I think that is a consistent theme with material uh, problems being solved in a mater with material solutions usually mm. ends up with more problems. And, and therefore you have to really find spiritual solutions. And I can talk a little bit about what that means, but ultimately going back to the point that I was making, it means understanding who you are, understanding that you mm. are a spirit soul and understanding your relationship with God and your relationship to all other living entities. If we can truly understand this very simple principle then imagine what that will do for our relationships with the world. Imagine how we will treat the earth. Currently mm. in the UK, there's a big thing about insulate, insulate Britain and, you know, they're, they're, they're blocking off roads. It's an environmental group. It's, uh, it's a, a spin-off, I think, from some of the other movements that were there earlier. And, you know, I really admire them. I admire what they're trying to do. I know it causes a lot of frustration and angst for a lot of people. But I, I like the fact that they are trying to take a stand 
But I don't mm. think that we're going to find a solution by blocking a road. Ultimately, I know that they're trying to raise awareness for their particular campaign. But mm. really, if we want to create a change in the world, we have to create a change in consciousness. We have to raise our consciousness. Mm. Uh, and that's where I think Krishna consciousness is such a practical philosophy because people may say, what are you doing for the world? But actually, there is no better thing than raising your consciousness individually and then becoming a instrument of love and compassion for the rest of the world. Beautiful, beautiful. I love that so much. Um, there's a quote by, I think it was Albert Einstein. Um, he said that you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created yeah. it. Yeah. And I just think that's amazing. Um, I think people often have um, a hard time understanding why making yourself a better person automatically turns the world into a better place. Mm. Not just for yourself, but even for people around you and even for people who aren't around you, actually, because it always mm. has this beautiful butterfly effect. Definitely. Um, and I first discovered this when I read the book, The Secret. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they always talked about if you want to help the world. And I've been screaming about this ever since I was young. I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. But people are like, okay, you say that a lot, but what are you doing? You know, we don't see you doing anything. Mm. And I'd always feel really guilty. But when I read this book, I said, oh, wow. Mm. Actually, the one best thing you can do is improve yourself. Yeah. And there's a really beautiful quote um, in Krishna consciousness by one of the swamis. And he says, the best gift you can give to somebody is a better version of yourself. Yeah, because definitely. then there's more to give. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, just thinking about the 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 environment and pollution point, there's a really nice mm. quote by Radnath Swami. And and Radnath mm. Swami makes this point that, you know, we, we we can clean the rivers, we can clean the the air, and we can clean the land. Um, but until we clean the ecology of our own hearts, there won't be there won't be any transformation. And it goes back to this point about flourishing within, you know, you can put mm. limits, for example, with, with CO2. They're trying to put limits on on the amount of gases and emissions that are released. But until people really understand why are these limits in place, what what harm is really being done, there isn't going to be there isn't going to be a check. So of course both need to happen hand in hand. I'm not I'm not saying mm. it's all, you know, we all just wait to you know work on ourselves and and the world will just get better uh, one by one. I think we do have to be spiritual activists. So we don't need to just change ourselves. We have to become spiritual activists. It's not about just getting our own house in order. We have to understand the whole world is our house. The whole world is mm. our family. And so mm. a key principle behind Krishna consciousness or bhakti is having genuine uh, compassion. And genuine compassion means doing doing the difficult work, stepping outside of our comfort zone to really try and make a difference. It's Steve Jobs, I think, who famously says, you know, try and make a dent in the universe. So for us, it, you know, that dent could be just impacting one life and, and really mm. helping them to grow um, spiritually uh, or, or just, you know, support them in, in, in their own mind, body and soul. But, um, yeah, I think we can be a bit more ambitious than that, depending on what capability and facilities we have available to us. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Probably tell us a little bit about how you got into spirituality in the first place. Then, mm -hmm. Yeah, I got in at university. So mm. uh, not too dissimilar to, to your story. Uh, when I was at university, I was meant to go to uh, LSE, in fact, ended up at a different mm. university. 
And that ended up being a blessing in disguise. And I think that's quite a lesson in itself, how you think you're going to go down one path, um, but the Lord has has another plan for you. So yeah, I went I went to a couple of talks uh, at, at university and they were phenomenal speakers. I was just very blown away by their rational approach, their intelligence, their logic, just all the all the things you might consider when you think about spirituality, you know, your own preconceptions and judgments as to what it means. And then you mm. meet people, you know, from different ethnicities, different backgrounds, male, female, young, old, and they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, so to speak. And they're all speaking about actually, we have this uh, special power within us, um, you know, our, our spiritual life. And when we enliven that, uh, we really start to live and for me, that was, that was, it was groundbreaking, really. I just thought, wow, I've got so many questions and they've actually got answers mm. to a lot of my questions. And I think that would be a similar theme. I mean, I'm sure whoever else you have on the podcast and you ask them, how did you come to spirituality or Krishna consciousness? The theme is the same. It's, I was look, you know, maybe not even looking for answers, but I had mm. questions definitely in the back of my mind around who am I? Uh, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? Uh, is there something beyond this? What happens at the time of death? Um, how can I be successful in this world? What are kind of the laws of nature? And I found that the bhakti tradition had the most comprehensive explanation of mm. all of that uh, and just made a lot of sense to me. It was just immediate. I just thought, wow, this is what I've been looking for. And so, yeah, I started my spiritual practice. That's kind of the theory, all the wisdom that is in the the, the Vedas, the knowledge, uh, and then, of course, there's the practice as well um, in order to realize the self. Wow. Wow. So it, it started with Casey Sock then? Basically started with Casey Sock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big shout out to everyone at Casey Sock. Yes. Um, in fact, you, you're giving a talk at Imperial Casey Sock tomorrow, aren't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's well, the first, first one of the year. So, yes, yeah, nice, to, nice to give back. Mm, I think I was at university 2001 when I, when I kind of started my, my journey in Christian consciousness. So, uh, yeah, that's like, what is that? 20 years. It's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. How did you discover Casey Sock? Was there somebody who dragged you, somebody put posters up and you're like, okay, this seems wishy-washy. I want to try it out. Yeah. I think I was, I was just, I was a bit taken aback because one of the first speakers I heard from is someone I'm sure you may have heard of as well. Bhutabhavna. Probably. Oh, amazing! Yeah, and and his his name at the time was Eddie uh, because he wasn't initiated or he wasn't using his initiated name, mm. and uh, so Edward. Yeah, and and I was just really, you know, someone said, "Oh, there's a guy called Eddie. He's speaking at the Krishna Society. Um, he's black bodied. He's really cool." And I was thinking, "What? Like that doesn't?" I was just, <laughs> I was, you know, sheer ignorance, just very, very surprised. Yeah, and and you know, like his first presentation was about the law of karma and. He started by explaining Newton's third law of action. Every action has a reaction. Uh, and therefore, it makes perfect sense that um, anything we do in this world will have a reaction. It's a natural law. Mm. Now, of mm. course, going up, growing up in a community, uh, I wasn't Christian conscious, but I certainly heard of karma, and it wasn't an alien concept to me. But I'd never heard it explained in that way. It was just what, what comes around goes around. Deal with it and try and be a good person. <laughs> And so, yeah, it really, it really resonated with me. And then when I started reading Srila Prabhupada's books and getting more into mm. it, 
I just found it was, yeah, just a, a, a never ending uh, mine to just kind of keep going deeper and deeper, more and more gold at the bottom. Wow. Yeah. So I, I genuinely love hearing people's starting stories, mm. um, especially if you knew how they were before. Yeah. So some of my friends from two, three years ago. So I found Kessie Saw two years ago. So some of my friends are like, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? What's happened? Yeah. I, said, I don't know, man. You just talk really differently. You do things a little differently. What happened to you? Mm. I said, are you, are you saying in a positive way or a negative way? They're like, I don't know, but there's something different about you. Mm. And obviously when I go on to explain, some people are very open and they, you know, they're like, oh, that's really interesting. Some people even showed up on Casey Sock, you know, mm -hmm. when, when you were, when you were um, there last year. Mm. But then there'll be some people who are like, oh, but you know, you're not even fully convinced or you're not even like fully aware of everything that's going on. So like, how can you take this decision? Mm. You know, but... Um, it's funny when it's funny when people say that though, isn't it? Because yeah. there, there are so many things that we do in terms of decisions where you're not fully convinced. Like, you know, you spend X amount of money to go to university to get a degree and you've got no idea whether you're going to end up doing anything related to that degree or not. So yeah. faith, that faith argument is such an interesting one because I think none of us know for sure mm. anything. Um, and therefore, you've got to have some reasonable faith as opposed to blind faith. And, yeah. and, and, and you take one step at a time and then your faith grows as you as you take each step. So no one's saying that you should be at a level of full surrender in order to surrender. That doesn't make sense. You, you know, you dip your toe in the water. You're like, OK, this is nice. Now I want to go a little bit further and further and further. And then and the beauty of Krishna consciousness, as you well know, is mm. that, um, you know, there is no pressure. It's, it's your journey and it's up to you to take it as fast or as deep as you want to go. And, and that's what I love about it. Wow. So probably for me, it was firstly the people, um, you know, in KC Sock that mm -hmm. when I when I when I was around them, I felt very different. Yeah, I felt very I felt like I could be a little bit more vulnerable. Whereas with most other people, I always had this sort of wall around me, you know, because I didn't mm -hmm. want people to poke me or say things to me or whatever. But with these people, it was very, very nice. And they were, they were the ones who sort of inspired me to go a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, as you said, when you open up, you opened up a few of uh, Srila Prabhupada's books and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you really enjoyed what you read. That wasn't the case for me, actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not surprisingly, I, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be the case for a lot of people. You open a book and you, you hear him say one thing and you're like, I feel attacked. Mm. you know um just being very very open here so the yeah, first time i opened up um one of the things and in, in, in I, there's this one phrase he uses which i love now but didn't like in the past he's like you are a fool mm. rascal fool um, yes yeah and it's just very straightforward mm. but i had this i guess because of the people who were around me and you know um the people who were teaching us the gita at the time were so loving <laughs> that I said, okay, maybe Srila Prabhupada is saying these things, but these people are living it. Mm. And that really inspired me to look at all these so-called rules and regulations 
and all the things that are hard to swallow pills mm. but it gave me the strength to continue uh, keep the faith and if i ever had any questions i felt supported to ask these questions yeah. and even a few days ago um i was with a couple of people and um even though we were in a pub i was talking about spirituality <laughs> <laughs> and so a couple of two three people are around me and they're like you know i don't really like this whole spirituality thing i don't i don't vibe with it and i said you literally just used a spiritual term in saying that you know um and they're like oh no but you know we are we are engineers we're scientists how can you just you know blindly accept anything and i said but i'm not blindly accepting anything you know it's um it's it's we are so we are we are encouraged to ask questions and if we blindly accept something we are discouraged to blindly accept something mm. and and uh, a lot of people think that by asking too many questions we sh- we're showing that we don't have the faith where actually in my opinion it's quite the opposite because yeah when we ask the questions we actually want to improve our faith right so that's my sort of side of the story i'd love to hear what are some of the habits that changed before and after you found krishna consciousness and you know when you were reading these books what inspired you to continue going in that direction um mm-hmm. despite all the problems that you may have faced if you did face any yeah well the first thing to say around you know questioning that is very much mm. a as a sign of intellect you're meant to question and and if you look at all of our scriptures they're all question mm. and answer you know if you look at the shrimad bhagavatam maraj pariksha is asking questions he's saying okay you mm. say that but but what about this and what about that so same in the bhagavad gita arjun you know krishna makes the point <laughs> and then arjun asks again and then again and again and again so certainly it's not it's not a sign of a lack of faith it it deepens our mm. understanding the more that we do ask obviously the way in which we ask is critical if you're asking without really uh, wanting to know the answer then it's a waste of everyone's time and i've been in you know i've given talks for example where someone you know raises their hand and they're asking a question really just to be a smart ass and mm. you know just to make a point it's kind of an ego thing let me see if i can smash this person down or make them look silly whereas if they're asking with the genuine desire to understand then they will get a different response and the lord will reciprocate accordingly so yeah just just on that first point just to say that yeah it really is important to to ask questions mm-hmm. and i think it links to to your second question for me the journey was around questions it, you know mm-hmm. the, the the more that i went in the more i would ask questions and as i say i just often found answers that that resonated with me uh and i guess part of me was hoping i wouldn't find answers because it would mean i wouldn't need to give up any of these things that i was doing previously <laughs> but mm. it just made it made a whole load of sense so yeah i was i was already vegetarian i yeah yeah so i was vegetarian at 14 and then the other habits like i was doing what any other teenager slash first year university student would do um so yeah there, there, there was there was a transformation i do remember that you know my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife and mother of my two children uh, was a little bit shocked you know i like turned up and i was like okay so the, by the way the, the, this is what i'm doing now i'm i'm following these four basic principles <laughs> and she's like what and i'm like yeah that's what i'm doing now so yeah there was there was a bit of a shock and there was a bit of immaturity on my part as well 
It's kind of that radical excitement when you find something mm. new. But that, yeah, that was that was all part of the journey. Uh, and over time, it became it became deeper and more cemented, and really understood why I was doing what I did. And eventually, you get a higher taste where you don't want to do things that you know are going to block you from uh, making progress. So just like if you want to become a top athlete and you know that pizza tastes good, but pizza is bad for me um, in terms of what I'm trying to achieve, then that pizza suddenly doesn't taste so good because you know it's not giving me the higher taste. It's blocking me from achieving the higher taste mm. of what I really want to achieve in life. And so it was as simple as that. It, you know, you start, you know, it's always said if you add Krishna to your life, then it's much easier to um, give up bad habits because essentially you start getting that experience, that spiritual experience that we're all craving for because as spirit souls, we are Satchitananda mm. and we are naturally um, mm. full of knowledge, full of bliss and of course eternal. And so seeking happiness is our birthright. And of course, as often said, we're just looking in the wrong places for that happiness. Amazing. That is really, really powerful. You know, Hopefully, um, in season two, um, we can obviously talk a little bit more about how certain foods are in different modes yeah, sure. and how they affect our consciousness and how cert doing certain activities are also um, similar in that sense. So, Prabhu, tell us a little bit about how you were able to take all of these things. Actually, before I even asked that question, you became a monk yeah. right after university. Tell us what happened there. What made you... What flipped the switch in your head and say, okay, I'm going to become a monk before I do anything else in life? Yeah, it was it was just, it was an immersive experience. I knew that I was going to go on and do the, having done the law degree, I knew I was going to do the legal practice course. I knew I was probably going to do, you know, do a training contract. As I said, I hadn't found an alternative path at that point. So I thought, when else will I get an opportunity to do this? And it was the equivalent of a gap year. Many people uh, in okay. the UK do a gap year right after the A-levels. And, and for me, I never did. Mm -hmm. I went straight on uh, to university. So it was essentially my gap year. And it was a year and I loved it. And, you know, I probably would have extended it if it wasn't for the fact I already had work lined up and, ex you know, all the rest of it. But yeah, it was a wonderful experience. You, you know, you will never, I will never get an experience like that again in terms of full immersion, you know, waking up from 3.30 in the morning to going to bed at night 9 30 10 and just being in a fully christian conscious environment you know whether you are um you know reading whether you are studying uh whether you are teaching whether you are cleaning the pots or the bins yeah, yeah. Uh, whether you're chanting whether you're singing whether you're doing arati whether you're out on the streets um sharing this knowledge doing book distribution whether you're going to Casey Socks and, and, and giving talks there, you know, it was just a very fun, enlivening experience, um, which I will always look back on with great memories. Wow. You know, I did that for 10 days mm. with a couple of friends. Oh, so nice. when I went to the Bond of Center retreat. Yeah. We did that for 10 days and we were exhausted. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, we lived so much. Yeah. Yeah. You live so much in just those 10 days. The problem with the Pandasana retreats is you don't actually sleep. So, so oh that's God. why that, that's why you're exhausted because <laughs> not only are you going to bed at, you know, because I remember obviously from organizing the trips and, and you know going to the trips myself, 
you you know you're in your rooms and you're asking questions till like four in the morning and then no, half an hour later it's up for Mangalarti. so you, yeah that it is not sustainable but it's absolutely an immersive experience that you can't replicate in any other way no not at all you know um speaking of um you, you talked a little bit about you know you did things in your first year as other other first year people do so I don't know if you know this, but Shesha Prabhu was also on the podcast. Okay. And uh, he told me a little story. Um, he said that he, he had gotten into spirituality before, you know, university. And uh, you and him had already been associated before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you know what story I'm going to say? No, I don't know what story, but I'm just, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I've known Shesha for a long time. Uh, but he he's he's a couple of years younger than me, so yeah, possibly when he was kind of around the manor, and I may have even been on the sabbatical. Maybe that's where we mm. connected. Yeah. Okay, so he said um, he was going to move into halls, mm. um, and he he was confused. You know, he said uh, he was asking all the other people and all the other mentors. Um, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I go here? Should I not go here? And in these specific halls and, you know, I'm first year freshman. Mm. Should I do these things or not do these things? And everybody else was giving very, um, you know, answers like, oh, it's okay. It's part of your experience. If you really want to do it, just do it. And then there was you. <laughs> did I say something <laughs> very, very direct? I imagine I did. <laughs> So in the intro, you know, I said, when I talked about you in the intro, I said, you have a way of saying something really directly and honestly, but you do it from a place of comfort. And I do mean that, um, yeah. you know, because well, most, most of the people, you know, they, they'll pretend like they're trying to take care of us and give us good advice. But, you know, we, we mentioned this word ego. Uh, it comes from a place of ego a lot of the times because you want to prove somebody else right or wrong. But because you consciously don't do that you know there's a there's a blanket of comfort around it so whatever you do say it's you know it makes sense you know maybe mm -hmm. it's just something you have to hear but you will always give a solution to it no i just thought i'd share that because he, he told me that in the podcast and i said i will i will make sure this comes up when I have <laughs> a podcast with Nanda prabhu so prabhu i was asking earlier um how did you take what you learned at kc sock and your time at, in your sabbatical as a monk and how did you, how were you able to apply that as a lawyer? Hmm. Well, I think there's, there was lots of, there was lots of lessons, of course. Um, there's kind of interpersonal lessons in terms of, you know, dealing with different people. There was lessons around, you know, my own productivity and thinking about, you know, we talked about the mind and, and you know, how can I really bring my best to my career, long hours, challenging, etc. But the, the main lesson for me, and, and this comes from the Bhagavad Gita directly, is that we aren't in control of the result. We're only in control of the endeavor. And, and you know, success is in trying hard. So mm -hmm. whether it was law or something else, that's something that obviously has always stuck with me, that then you don't feel frustrated. Like whatever happens, as long as you've tried your best, it, it really doesn't matter. And I think that one thing that people used to say to me in law is that they would say you're very very chilled like very laid back like everything is like falling apart all around you know there's like a crazy chaotic corporate deal about to happen this has gone wrong and everyone's panicked and you're just kind of seem very zen during that whole situation 
And I said, you know, literally it comes back to Kovi and, you know, circle of influence, circle of concern. And, and for me, what can I control? What is in my circle of influence and, and what is my, in my circle of concern? And of course, for us as, um, you know, practicing spiritualists, you understand even what is in my circle of control, there's someone else in control of that as well, i.e. Mm-hmm. Krishna. And mm-hmm. so for me, I think that was, the, that was the big takeaway. Like I was always very calm. I was always very level-headed because of my practice of spirituality. And yeah, and, and just like you said, some people really liked that and appreciated it and valued it. And other people were just a bit spooked by it and didn't really understand what was going on. And, you know, felt maybe insecure by it or felt I didn't care enough or, you know, people, people will always have different points of view, but it's important to know that you can't please everyone. And, you know, going, going back to your really important point that you made earlier in the podcast around self-love and appreciation and self-validation, really, doesn't matter what you do, there'll always be people to criticize. Uh, There'll always be people to poke fun. You just have to do what you think is right and surround yourself with people that are going to support you, love you along the way. So, you know, even with this podcast, there'll be some people saying, oh, you know, here he goes, here's someone else trying to do a podcast or this or that. And you'll have different, you know, doubts in your own head. Maybe they're the kind of thoughts that might come in your own head. Mm -hmm. The fact is you're trying to do it as a service. You're trying to do it because you want to share wisdom you want to connect people to different you know um thoughts uh and you know and you've already done that you know you've already you know had sutapur and shesha and others and we know for a fact that hearing from them will benefit people's lives so Definitely. really you're just an instrument in all of this it doesn't it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. whether people like you or not you're doing a service if you help one person Srila Prabhupada would say if you can help even even one person uh then i'll consider my whole mission to be a success uh, so there you go, you know, if you can just help one person and of course in trying to help just that one person, you'll end up helping many, many more. That is really powerful. So ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, uh, a couple of months back, I actually approached Nanda Prabhu and I said, uh, Prabhu, I have this idea and I don't know if I should do it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And it, and it was about this podcast because, um, the idea of creating a podcast came to me two years ago when I've always loved having really deep conversations with people. And a lot of the times people said, um, oh, I really wish we recorded this, <laughs> you know. Um, but at the same time, I was becoming even more and more spiritual. And, you know, we have this thing, um, there's this graph in my head that goes like a bump. It's like how much you know versus how much you think you know. Yeah, And initially, it goes up, and then you realize, oh my god, I do not know anything in this world. Yeah, And then yeah. it goes down. Uh, with that comes a lot of humility. Um, mm. But I was going through one of those phases where I was like, who am I to even do something like this, you know? Mm. That, those were one, that was one of my pitfalls, actually. Um, but Nanda Gopa probably really helped me get out of that. And, you know, as you said right now, very, very beautifully that you know i'm just an instrument in trying to connect people to themselves Mm. you know that's why this entire thing is called the experience because i want to show people that it's everything that we go through in life it happened for a reason Mm. it's those downfalls that you know 
induce certain thoughts in us. And if we approached it in the right way, we became a lot more powerful than before. And this, I love how this beautifully comes back to the Lotus that we talked about initially. Mm. I think this is such a perfect way to end the experience podcast season one. You are the last episode. All right. Okay. Here we go. And I love how beautifully this ended. Um, Probably thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's been an honor to have you. Thank you for sharing everything. And um, I'll definitely drop a few links down in the description if people want to follow. He is on Instagram um, as the Lotus Coach. Yeah. He's got an amazing website. And um, if anybody wants, um, you know, we have a couple of, so we've got Casey Socks. So if you're a student, you can definitely um, um, go to the Casey Sock in your university. If not, just, you know, message me if you're really, really keen. I'm sure we can always find a way to get you more involved and, um, you know, help you find yourself deep within and improve your life and improve other people's lives. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, and I hope to see everybody soon. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We really hope you learned something new. Before we end, let's take another moment to reflect on the word Lotus. After this, think about what changed between your feelings before and after the episode. This podcast was created so we can listen to all our stories and learn from each other because there's so much that we all experience in our individual journeys. Being able to have even a small glimpse of someone's journey can add so much perspective to our lives, help us grow together, and be able to better understand ourselves and each other. Despite all our differences, there's so much more that we have in common. This is a listener-supported podcast, so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. The different subscriptions can be found on my Patreon page, which will be linked in the description. This was recorded during COVID times with little to no professional equipment, so the quality may sometimes vary. We apologize for this inconvenience, but despite that, we hope you were able to connect with the message of this episode. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week. Take care.